All right, and we're back with another episode of Visionary Living, the podcast. I am your host, Rick, or Rico, Rico from Puerto Rico, and uh, I am here with a very, very awesome woman. Um, her name is Saya, Saya Baker, and today we have an interesting topic. Why don't you introduce yourself to our guest briefly while we get started? Um, hi, all. My name is Saya Baker. Uh, I am a dancer and artist based in New York. Um, what up, y'all? Um, and I'm very excited to be on the podcast today. I've been resisting this for a while, but I'm uh, <laughs> finally stepping in and just taking a, a, a leap of faith. Awesome. Um, and um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, so today's topic is uh, dance and movement and how to overcome certain perspectives and leadership perspectives um, through the use of dance and movement. So uh, stay tuned. for uh, joining us once again on our podcast. Um, today's podcast, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about dance movement um, and also leadership. So how does it, um, how does that movement, dance, and all of that kind of interact with our self-expression and our leadership? So, Saya, why don't you get us started? Like, what, um, what makes you passionate about this topic? Why are we here talking about this in the first place? Um, so what I've realized over the years is that uh, dance has become something that's like, almost fearful for people when I tell someone oh I'm, I'm having a dance class why don't you come through there's this like oh well I've never danced before I'm not a dancer I, I don't want to go and take class and I'm scared and I, I want people to know that even if you don't have experience like everyone really is a dancer and what makes dance dance is just being able to express yourself and it doesn't have to be about what it looks like and it doesn't have to be about perfection and it doesn't have to be about the lines and like how flexible you are and it doesn't need to be about like competing with anyone else dance is just about who you are inside and and how you choose to express it and it doesn't matter how it looks that's awesome you know i actually can re relate to that um uh, when it comes to dancing for me um when i was younger i really went into like the break dance route right mm -hmm. um and so i find myself when there's a, an opportunity to peacock you know i'll just like hey look at me but then when like any other song comes on i'm just like standing in the, in the corner like yeah i'm cool don't look at me <laughs> so i totally get the whole judgment thing why do you think that that is apparent in the dance communities well for me personally, I've just, like, as a dancer, someone who, who has been, like, technically and classically trained, I've noticed that dance has been, like, either you're a ballerina or you're a modern dancer. It's it, people who, like, 
freestyle and just are, you know, like dancing in the rooms, whatever. It's not really socially considered dance. It doesn't fit into the structure of what dance looks like. Like, it's not like a Martha Graham or an Alvin Ailey. It's not Horton Technique. It's not, you know, Limon. It's not one of the recognized techniques of dance. And so it's almost like it doesn't fit in, in the structure and the bracket of what dance is. And so when people want to step outside of it, it's like, you know, there's a, there's a gap there. Hmm. So I guess as a dancer who sees all of this, what, what do you want to have happen in the dance communities? What do you want to see in the world and why? Um, well, (laughs) uh, I definitely want to see openness and like an acceptance in the dance community. Um, and no judgment. So not worrying about how someone looks when they're dancing, but really like, okay, what is that person experiencing? Like if you see in someone's face, they could be doing the most outrageous dancing. And for them, it just feels so freeing and so satisfying. And that's really what I want to, like that's the experience that I want to generate when I teach for people, when I teach a movement class, the experience of freedom and the experience of just being able to release and express is really what, um, you know, I want to be able to create in the space for someone and for students. That's awesome. I, I, I always love when people are passionate about something and they can bring that and those tools like to the surface. What got you into dance? Like, how did you get into it? Why, you know, what brought you here to this level of expertise? <laughs> uh, so getting into dance is actually kind of a weird story, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> because I, when I was really little, uh, my parents said they put me in a dance class because I had two left feet. Um, I was really clumsy. Okay. And so they were like, yo, this child has no body awareness whatsoever. We just put her in a dance class. Maybe she'll gain some body awareness and some rhythm. Did it work? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm still pretty clumsy, honestly, but I I carry myself much better now, you know. Okay, parents out there, if you're listening, dance helps posture. Put your kids in. You know, um, it's actually funny that you bring that up because now that I'm thinking about it, you know, in a lot of movies that do um, include dance, like dance movies, um, I feel like they're, they're always, is, they portray this kind of judgment and resistance. Like, it's almost like we're on the same team of dancers to perform the same task, and it's me versus you. Right. And to me, that's not teamwork, you know what I mean? It's almost like comparison, like, how do I get the spotlight? How do I... Uh, supersede everyone else so that so that what could happen what, what is a dancer's ultimate goal uh, when they're looking at from that perspective what do they want well I mean I think it depends from someone who's thinking from that perspective like if you look at um, like a lot of ballet companies there's always like a prima ballerina right there's uh-huh. the one person who's the star um, of the show always okay. um, and that's generally the person who works the hardest who like kills their bodies to get that part or who like starves themselves to look a certain way like there's always a, a certain structure for a specific type of dance so, I mean it and d- that's different if, I feel but, like that pattern is not just dance like it shows up everywhere right? right like modeling or like you know even in corporate business not even like oh, yeah? looking good oh yeah like trying to whoever works the hardest whoever oh, does yeah. the hardest they, they, they get that position you mm-hmm. know what I mean um, there's always competition yeah uh, so what do you think it would what do you think would need to shift in order to have the dance community start playing team instead of being like comparison from each other? Well, actually, I think it would be about 
Well, when, when you ask me that, what I think of um, is the class that I'm going to be teaching. Okay. Um, and the purpose of the class is is to just get um, <laughs> is to just get uh, you know people moving their bodies. Um, but I want to um, teach people how to connect with not only their bodies but also connect with the people in the space with them. And I think that gives a certain amount of um, openness for people as opposed to like competition like instead of like I don't have to point my foot the hardest to like match that person but instead I can just connect with myself and breathe with this person and connect with this person and know that we are the same and we are one and it's okay to look however we look um and I think the the idea of oneness Mm -hmm. is really what what's going to support kind of deconstructing this whole like whatever, whatever. yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's funny um awesome okay so all right so let me ask you to kind of go a little deeper into the dance world you know what are some secrets that people don't know about the dance world um that you could shed light on secrets mm-hmm. or what are some things that just most people don't know that if someone like you would know Ooh, dancers i mean maybe this is known i don't know but Dancers work extremely hard regardless of their level of technique um, or how much experience they've had. Dancing is not easy mm-hmm. and dancers like 99% of the time are pushing, we're pushing our bodies to do things that they're not normally meant to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you work in like a dance entertainment industry um, or even if you're in a company, like a big secret is that a lot of dancers like we're not paid for the amount of work that we put in uh, um, and so it can be very taxing and it, that's why a lot of dancers retire early uh, um, like we don't have the, the facilities and, and like the financial freedom and the abundance to pay for everything that we're putting our body through like there's like physical therapy and like there's all the materials that I need and all the like tools that I need to go even participate in a dance class or in, in, in a company mm. um, and like for dance entertainment like for the job that that i do when i work for a dance entertainment company or any company it's like we have to pay for like makeup we have to pay for hair to pay for costumes we have to pay for like i'm dancing in heels for like five hours straight wow um and so I there's imagine like there's like stress on the achilles there's stress on the fascia in, in the bottom of your foot there's stress in your calf then it's pull stress in the hamstring and it pulls stress in the back and then like your whole posture is all messed up um and like where you were generally not compensated enough for everything that we put our bodies through. And a, a lot of like the excuse that people use is that, you know, uh, dancers get to do things for free to build experience. Mm. Um, when really it's like, no, I'm already experienced. Um, and I'm going to, um, offer you a quote for my value. Mm. Um, and yeah, it can get. So what do you think needs to shift for dancers to start producing the kind of income that they deserve based on all of what you're saying, all, all the stress that they put their bodies through and conditioning? I definitely think it's a mindset shift. Um, and instead of coming from the place of like, oh, no, you're right. Like, I don't have enough experience yet to charge that much. or I don't have enough experience yet to do that certain thing. Instead of thinking that way, there gets to be like a certain amount of confidence that dancers get to have in themselves and in in everything that they do so that they can put themselves forward as as like no i i I am i i value myself this much and it's okay so are you saying that it's not the industry that underpays but the dancers that don't set their own expectations yeah 
Wow. So that's a powerful thought for people to. I just want to highlight that because to me, I just had like a. You know. Me too. <laughs> uh, so uh, you know, technically, what I heard you say is that uh, dancers are undercompensated for the amount of work and stress and conditioning that they put their bodies through. Um, and that the undercompensation doesn't come directly from the industry not compensating, but instead it's coming from dancers allowing themselves to spend their time, invest their energy, invest their effort, and allow themselves to be taken advantage of and not actually get compensated for the work they're doing. And I mean, it does go both ways. Like There are people who offer a very low amount for certain services in the dance industry, and as dancers, we get to like step it up and be like, no, that's not enough. Uh-huh. Um, I do so much more work than that. So what do you think causes the belief in a dancer that I can't make money or don't deserve or I'm not worthy of a certain bracket of income? Or What do you think that, what's the disconnection between the art form of dance and being compensated for it so that it can become your profession, your business, your passion? Um, I mean, that's a really good question. And I, I like... Know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, honestly... It's been something that's been said for so long. Like, even, like, like the most prima prima ballerinas, I, I'm, like, she's underpaid for what she does. Mm. Like, it's, I, I don't know. All right, so let me ask you a follow-up question. Um, are you up to anything? Do you have any projects coming up soon that might open up those opportunities to actually shift the dance community and, and provide that? I do, um, and I'm really excited about it. Okay. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you share with us then what you got? Uh, so, uh, I was sleeping one day, um, and I had uh, this huge vision of this piece that I wanted to create. And the first thing that I saw was um, there's a memorial. Uh, it's called the Memorial for Peace and Justice, and mm -hmm. it recently opened um, in Alabama. Mm -hmm. um, it's this beautiful, beautiful memorial um, that they have down there, and my vision is to create a performance art installation mm. um, in in the memorial, and obviously, you know, they're like. So when you say memorial, like a museum almost, or something. Uh, so there's a museum, and then there's like a memorial where there's an outside structure. It looks like this. It's a huge like, building, uh -huh. but they have like different, you know, like graves for for like all of the slaves and people who were you know, lynched and, and killed during that time. Oh, wow. Period. So, so, so it's like, the memorial is a memorial for what? For, for, for slaves. Okay. For black slaves. Got it. Um, and there's also like statues and structures that are, they're actual depictions of, of slaves being chained and, and whipped and, wow. um, beaten. So um, why, why are you inspired to go here? What's, what's that for you? Um, well, personally, I know that growing up, I had a lot of conversations around being African American. I didn't, I didn't feel confident in being a, a black a person of color. Uh -huh. um, I thought that in order to be beautiful, you had to be white. Um, and when I was little, I used wow. to have dreams of myself as like a, a white girl. Like my name was Samantha, and I had oh, blonde wow. hair and blue eyes. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't dream of myself as me. I always dreamt of myself as, as someone else, as this white woman, because in society I thought that that's how you had to look in order to be beautiful, in order to be perceived a certain way, in order to be respected and acknowledged, you had to be white. Um, and I realized also that growing up, there, you know, there, I, I found a lot of, 
um, powerful black woman that I really looked up to. Um, and I also noticed that I started to overcompensate a little bit um, for, for, you know, being treated a certain way as a person of color. I feel like, and, and this goes for a lot of people of color, I noticed is that, you know, black people were seen as savages and we, were, we weren't seen as people. Um, and so I've noticed that there's been a certain level of like overcompensation for, for like the mistreatment um, of our ancestors and everything that, that people of color went through. Um, now there's like a, okay, I, I was pushed back so far and treated like such shit mm -hmm. that now like I'm just gonna like go all out and like you can't treat me that way. And so now there's like this weird entitlement that's coming out but it's not from a space of like it, it's from a space of like fear mm. and well now I have to try extra hard because I was treated this way and, and that doesn't get to happen anymore and so it's, it's like there's no balance mm. it's like and it comes out almost as like lashing out it's very powerful what you're speaking into and I, I appreciate your vulnerability seriously um, and so how does this relate now back to dance and this memoir yeah so um I want to do it. When I say performance art installation, it's it's going to be dance based. It's going to be a dance piece um, about you know uh, everything that that people of color went through um, back when there was still slavery and racism. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, racism is still here. It's just evolved, but right. you know when it was more apparent and when you know there were actually laws against people of color. Um, right, right, right. So it's going to be a dance piece based on all of that and how it's kind of evolved, um, how racism has evolved mm. um, and manifested in all these different ways um, in, in the world that we're living in now. Um, and it's also, it's an installation. So have you ever seen Sleep No More? I have not, but some of our listeners might have. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Sleep No More, it's, it's almost also like a performance art installation in, in this huge building. Um, and so there are certain rooms where there'll be like either like certain acting like little monologues or um, dance routines that'll happen on repeat mm -hmm. and different people can come in and walk in at different moments mm -hmm. um, and still be able to see what's going on. So it's not like there's going to be a dance performance and if you miss it, you miss it and then you go to the next thing. Everything's going to be kind of happening at one time mm -hmm. um, and people will just get to walk around and see what's going on um, in different rooms, different areas of, of the memorial site. Um, and so there'll be a dance, there'll be dance performances happening and also like reenactments. It's going to be almost like a, a, a live movie. Um, wow. so it, it will be like graphic right. and like, like it gets to be a little bit painful. Um, so that I think wow. honestly, that's how you make the greatest impact is like when you see movies like 12 years a slave or roots or when they see us, if you saw that show on Netflix, like the reason that it's so impactful is because it's so heartfelt and people feel it like in their chest. Yeah. Um, it's part of our history and it right. existed and it still exists. Right. And so um, I think that when people are able to close their eyes to it and ignore it, then it's like it's not occurring. It's not there. Even though it is. Yeah. And so to actually have people feel it, yeah, I think that that's powerful. And you know, there's, yeah, like transformation happens in the uncomfortable moments. Mm -hmm. And even for the people who are just watching, like I, I want there to be like a shift in, in, in the way that they, they've, they've seen things so far. So if you wanted to send a message out to our, our current listeners, what, what would you want to say?
I would want to say that um, for for the people of color and for the people who felt like you know they weren't treated well um, or they've experienced racism um, you know even today um, and especially like all my people in New York I know that it still exists and it's still very prominent um, I want you to know that um, it's okay to be angry and it's okay to be sad it's okay to be upset um, and at the end of the day like there's always something that we can do to support like create the two percent shift to, to like end racism and I think that it, like it really is possible um, and It's passion. Mm -hmm. um, I know that like depression, depression doesn't just show up as sadness and loneliness and isolation, but it, it's been showing up through Black people as as anger mm -hmm. um, and like lashing out and violence. Mm -hmm. um, and I want I want everyone to know that um, it's okay to express everything that you've been going through and everything that you're feeling, and there's a power in that. Um, and if you ever have like a moment where you want to talk about something or you want to get something off your chest or there's something that you've experienced that you want to come talk to me about, um, then it's okay to do that or talk to anyone, talk to your family because the, when you build connection and when you, when you're able to be vulnerable, there's a healing in that. Mm. Um, and that's something also that I really want to, um, presence in you know, this vision that I'm talking about is there's a certain amount, even the dancers who are going to be in the piece, there's a certain amount of vulnerability that you're going to get to access when you, when you commit to something like that. And I think that's really powerful. And there's, there, there is a healing in that. And I want to kind of um, land a distinction for vulnerability um, for those who are listening, because I think that in our, our culture today, vulnerability, if, I think if you look it up, it even says, like, as, as a definition, open to attack or, okay, or something. Not. You know what I mean? But when we, when I know what you're coming from, you're coming from the leadership distinction of right. vulnerability. And um, honestly, vulnerability, yes, being vulnerable is to be open. And when you're open, um, perhaps there is the possibility, the risk that you are also open to attack but the power of vulnerability is really just the art of being open the art of being transparent um lifting that veil you know and even if even if you are at risk of being under attack that you do it anyways because of the kind of power that it can create in relationship with people right you know it builds trust when you're able to open yourself up right so uh, I just want to switch the, the gears a little bit. Okay. Um, so Visionary Living is a podcast where um, my goal is to have you uh, share with our audience um, a time in your life when you really wanted something really badly and you had a vision. You had like a very clear picture of what you wanted to create at the end of this road. And uh, life just started challenging you and, and resisting you. And instead of saying, you know what, it's a sign, let me just quit and do something else, you continue to follow your vision until you had it happen, like no shit. Do you have a story like that that you could share with us? Oh, I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, would you share that with us then? <laughs> um, okay, so uh, several months ago I was going through uh, my LI journey, I was staffing. 
Um, oh, so a leadership world. program, and you were in your third level of the program. Yes, I was in. I was. Well, I passed my third level, and then I went back to be in support of, of someone else's third level, and so I basically went through it again. Okay, and you cool. write something called an LOA, which is a letter of accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I set a goal for myself uh, in business, career, and finance that I wanted to create a dance piece. Um, I've never created a full blown dance piece before. I wanted to. I wanted to have a show. Um, and I wanted to generate money from it. Mm. Um, so it was a for-profit show, and I've, I've never done this before. Um, and so basically I was doing everything. It was like a one-woman operation. Mm. Um, I've never chore- I had never choreographed on a group of dancers before, and so I, I got about eight dancers um, in the show. It was like a 30, 35-minute piece-ish, mm-hmm. um, and I gave myself three months to choreograph. I also had to uh, book the venue um, and generate the money to pay for the venue, which I didn't have. At the, like I, I, I was broke, so I didn't have money at the time to, to do this. Right. Um, there was also getting the costumes and getting the figuring out the lighting um, and also choreographing the entire piece. Um, and I actually did it in two months. So the challenges. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like this is going to be the fun part. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, throughout the, this whole process, um, there's, I, I don't, I didn't have a space to rehearse immediately available to me. And so I needed to book space through a, a, a second, third party. So I needed to go to different venues to try and book space. But what kept happening was, um, with one space in particular, um, they would start canceling my rehearsals. Oh, wow. So, um, I would get an email or a phone call saying, oh, sorry, our, our booking system, uh, messed up the time and so they actually allowed you to book in a place like we're not even open yet and so they canceled like five of my rehearsals oh, wow. um, and like didn't even compensate me or give me the space back or oh, give wow. me free space at all are so. you kidding no wow. <laughs> and then we went back to that same space for for a different rehearsal we my dancers got there and it was closed like no one was there um, and they were like, oh, I'm so sorry. But, and I was like, I, I remember I called you. I was so frustrated because, like, they're not open. They're supposed to be open. <laughs> I was, like, fuming. and steam coming in my ears. Um, yeah. And apart from, like, like the space was, was uh, $1,000 to rent the main stage. And I didn't have $1,000. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also was um, working with a live drummer um, I had a live drummer on my piece. That's cool. Um, That's really and there, no, I was there. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, and there were certain days he wasn't available that I really needed him. <laughs> so um, that also kept happening. I also had a couple dancers quit um, halfway through. Uh, no, more than halfway through. And oh, so wow. I, I needed to find replacements. Um, and, and then they needed to catch up on the choreography. And then they needed to catch up right? on the choreography. <laughs> and through the, like, the day before the show, our last rehearsal, I was still choreographing. And so we, wow. I, yeah, so I hadn't even... So apart from all of that, I was also working like four jobs at the time, at the same time, trying to choreograph. So I had like, and another also another challenge also was that the piece was about me and a sexual trauma that I had when I was like 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And so I was basically in my shit, like all day, every day throughout these rehearsals, because wow. that's the way that I was generating the piece was like being in my experience and like going through my trauma again, um, in order to create the piece. And so that was a challenge in itself was like you know, being in it, but it, it didn't stop. And so like on top of being in my shit, I was like dealing with dancers quitting. I was dealing with rehearsal space being canceled. I was dealing with not having enough money. It was dealing with like not knowing how to do lighting design mm-hmm. um, and never choreographing on dancers before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was like 
all of this stuff. And the process of booking this space in itself was a huge challenge because it was a lot of like back and forth between me and the guy and the guy wasn't answering and the space wasn't available on that day. And then people weren't available to come. And then like, so what was the end result the of end this chaotic, uh, journey? <laughs> the end result was, like, it was actually so beautiful. And I'm, I'm like still really proud of myself to this day. I actually ended up doing it like my goal was to do it in three months and I did it in two months Um, and I choreographed this like 30 minute plus piece I had like eight dancers who ended up being perfect um, you know to have in this piece and they all shared a very similar or at least the women shared a very similar experience to what I went through Um, and it was really beautiful that we were able to share the space together and like that they were so open and vulnerable with everything that they went to in order everything that they went through in order to be in the piece and in order to fully like be in the experience they actually opened themselves up um which i had never seen before and i was you know it was beautiful to see that um and even like on stage we created this amazing thing um and then the live drummer was there and it was perfect it was beautiful on stage um and you know there was a moment where like not a moment but throughout like almost the entire piece like we were all in tears on stage like I bawling I was and i heard the audience going <laughs> I, <laughs> and i heard people sitting in the audience crying mm-hmm. like there are people like half of the half of the audience was in tears yeah. um and it was a really powerful moment for me because and then i realized that i had the power to create a space where even the people watching felt safe to even experience their, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I also realized that I had something to say, um, and that it was okay to say it and it was okay to share it. Um, and you know, creating a space where it's also okay for other people to share, Mm. um, which was something that, uh, I was really proud of and I'm still proud of and that's something that I want to continue. Um, and so in the vision that I want to create in the future at the memorial site, it's that same, that same space that I want to create. Um, you know, it's uncomfortable and it can be painful going through the motions at the time, but then at the end result is this healing and this openness that you, you now have, um, and being able to share, uh, um, from a powerful place of what you went through, um, and work through it. So what was your takeaway? What, what lesson did you learn at the end of all of that? I learned uh, that when the universe is challenging me like that, it's not that they don't, it's not that the universe doesn't want to happen and that it's working against me, but it's really throwing challenges at me to test my commitment. Like, how much do you really want this? And it's like, oh, I want it bad. So I'm going to do everything in my power to have it happen no matter what, uh, because I committed to it and because I want it so bad. Um, and because it's important to me and it's in my, it's my passion. And so I'm going to be driven anyway and just go hundred percent for it. Uh, and so I'm committed like that, um, amazing results and passion and healing and openness and breakthrough happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I also want to <coughs> highlight, excuse me, highlight, uh, commitment cause you spoke into it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I just want to make sure that our listeners, you know, as we go, as we're doing the podcast, I want to land leadership distinctions. Like how, how do we as leaders, uh, hold certain words, concepts and frame it, you know? And, and commitment, for me at least, the way that I've, I've held commitment is, um, you know, if you're committed to an insane asylum or a mental institution, well, when someone's committed, it's not just like, you know what, I'm done with my commitment, thanks, uh, I'll, uh, I'll sign out, just give me my stuff back, and I'll see you next week. You know, like, once you're committed, it's like, you, you, you're in there. Yeah. You're in there until whatever program they gave you is complete. 
And so um, for me, commitment is like there is no way out. It's almost like a parent. Like my commitment to my child, they will never go hungry. Right. I would, yeah. and not that I'm encouraging this, but <laughs> I would kill for my kid to be fed. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that to me is what commitment is. And so to see that you used commitment, that like there's no other way. This is going to happen. Two months, three months, two weeks, it's going to fucking happen. Right. So I acknowledge you for, for that story. That was a very powerful story, and I appreciate the share. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, so we're kind of uh, starting to come closer to the end of our episode. Um, and so uh, there was a couple things that I wanted to highlight. So, so first of all, um, if there's anything that you're up to um, that you want to plug, so, like, if any of our listeners actually got value from who you are, what you're talking about, what you're up to in your life, I want them to be able to find you. I want them to be able to seek you out um, and whatever you're offering and want them to get behind you so what is it that you do or what can you offer where can they find you what are you up to like share a little bit about that yeah so uh first things first um i will be moving to florida on september 30th um so everyone in new york i'm teaching a uh movement class a dance class on september 22nd it's a sunday um from 2 to 4 p.m um at dance wave uh in brooklyn a park slope area um, and it's going to be a, a, like a master class, a two hour master class, but it's also going to be an informal showing. Mm-hmm. So everyone who hasn't seen me dance yet or who hasn't seen, um, what I do, um, or what I'm going to be up to in Florida, there's an opportunity now before I leave for you to come, um, and watch. Um, and so the pricing is like a, a it's a 10 to $20 sliding scale. So the, the concept is that you pay what you can afford so that those who, can't afford it or less fortunate can um you know pay the lower amount and still come through and and if they want to dance they can um there's going to be like a warm-up section and then there's going to be like exercises and connection and body awareness and um mind body connection and connection with the people in the room um and then there at the end there's going to be some choreography that that um dancers will follow and if there's going to be a mini showing um so if you want to dance or you just want to come watch see what i've been doing um there's your opportunity to do that and that's for new york it's for New York. Um, as for Florida, I'm going to be teaching a weekly movement class, and that's for anyone who um, has dance experience and doesn't have dance experience. So a little bit what I was talking about in the beginning. Um, it's just um, learning how to deconstruct like the social structure of dance right now. And, and anyone who wants to dance, who doesn't have dance experience or even does have dance experience and just wants to move, um, my class would be the class for you. Um, and so you can... Um, I'm still figuring out, like, you know, the details of the date, time, et cetera, all of that. And but. consider that this podcast will be on for, like, years to come. So True. Evergreen is just what you're up to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'll be teaching a movement class weekly here in Florida. Um, yeah, and building my vision at the same time. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your share. Um, so uh, is there, like, a website or something that they can follow you, or just your Facebook page, Instagram? Um, yes, yeah, so um, my Facebook is Saya Baker. Um, and then uh, my Instagram is silk.dance, S-I-L-K dot dance. Um, and, yeah, awesome. follow me and reach out. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I just wanted to plug a little bit about what I'm up to. So I've got a 10-week um, coaching curriculum. It's webinar-based online. Uh, just finished developing it. I'm really excited. Um, we start our first cycle today, actually. Um, and uh, 
and yeah, you know, I'm looking to create the cycle's uh, momentum. So there's a lot of different opportunities, different groups of people that want to connect and do some self-development work as a team, even corporations, corporate teams. Um, and so this is that opportunity for really me to impact anyone in the whole world. And so um, if anyone's out there listening and you, and you want to, like, you get value from the conversations that we have on this podcast, and maybe you want to go, like, deeper, because right now it's like we're floating on the water, on the top, top of the water with the conversations we're having on this podcast, but to really dive deep into leadership and learn stuff, like a curriculum, like experiential training and stuff, we really need to dive deep and hit the bottom of the ocean floor, you know. Um, so that was my commitment, my goal. It's called To Fear From Love. Um, and if you're interested in that, you can look at my website, Pond to Flight. Pond like a body of water, to the word, not the number, flight. So P-O-N-D to flight.com. Um, and yeah, and then in New York, I've got my successful awareness workshop coming up soon. Um, and I'll probably, uh, I mean, again, this is an evergreen podcast, so uh, I might have more in, in New York. Just look it up um, and you can probably find it. And I'll probably have more in Florida too. I've been doing one once a month in Florida for the last like year and a half. And my commitment and my goal in my life is to be uh, in service, to be a contribution, um, to die on empty having given all my gifts away to other people so that they can really pop and, and succeed. Um, so that's what I'm up to in terms of that curriculum. Um, what I also wanted to plug is uh, this podcast. So uh, the podcast that you're currently listening to, Visionary Living, is a podcast designed to have guests come up and share an experience or a time in their life where they overcame obstacles and circumstances using a vision, um, almost like a, a lighthouse amidst the storm as a guiding, uh, as a guidance. And so if you're interested in jumping on the podcast, uh, again, you can go to my website that I said earlier um, and send me a message. You could also find me on Facebook, um, uh, whatever works. But let's get, let's get connected. If you're interested on, on jumping on the podcast, I would love to have guests. I'm, I'm constantly scheduling guests out for the future. And this is currently season two. So season one is concluded. This is a new season, new content. It'll be up very soon on all platforms um, if you guys are interested in listening further. Um, outside of that, I want to dedicate this podcast to Brenda Rivera. Brenda Rivera is my mom who passed away when I was 13. And this is my way of uh, keeping her memory alive through me and through what I'm up to. Um, outside of that, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of my listeners, um, everyone who has participated. Hopefully you've uh, created a lot of value in what we're talking about here. Um, and uh, if you're interested in hearing more content like this, simply subscribe um, to the podcast. And every time that a new episode pops up, you'll get notified. Um, so other than that, um, I love all of you guys and I appreciate all of your time and your attention. Um, is there anything you'd like to say before we close? Um, just that if anything uh, that I've spoken into throughout this entire podcast has kind of sparked interest for you and you want to talk about it, you can feel free to reach out to me um, or message me on Instagram if, we're, if we don't have um, numbers and, you know, I'm happy to elaborate and talk um, into anything that, that I've spoken into or, or anything else and just simply connect. Um, and thank you, Rico, for having me on the podcast today. It was a pleasure. Thanks for breaking through and finally getting <laughs> on. <Mom. laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much again for listening. I hope that you guys have a wonderful day.